Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss B-Sides. What? Remember that? So we did we did three months worth of comics with our Extinction Agenda coverage. Now we got to do three months worth of B-Sides. So, uh, yeah. Let's get, let's get into this. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't do nine parts of a summer event uh, and not end up missing out on everything else that was happening mutant-wise in the Marvel Universe. And boy, howdy, is there a bunch. So yeah. we'll kick it <laughs> off here with Excalibur number 31, guest starring the X-Men question mark? But the X-Men is made out of strange materials. Like this letter X is made out of wood. Yeah, and M is made out of a Homer Simpson donut. <laughs> no. And then the E is ice. And then the N is made out of rock. And I think the question mark is made out of nature. Well, technically rock is nature. It's true. All of it's technically nature. So I don't know. On the cover of this issue is a um, it's a nightcrawler picture. Distressed nightcrawler. Yeah, and you know the 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 thing that always threw me about Nightcrawler, and I, I know I've mentioned this before, but I think it's even more accentuated in this issue, is that I always thought since Nightcrawler's skin is blue and like the majority of his costume is blue, that the areas of his costume that are blue were actually his skin, <laughs> and so that the red thing that he wears is like really the only clothes that he has on his body. And in most of the time, you know, it works. But in this, you know, it, it's just like a, it's just like a little strip protecting his junk. So I've never seen Nightcrawler that way, as in wearing a thong. But uh, I, I can see how you could definitely see that. But I, for for whatever reason, I I just chose to believe that the blue costume was a blue costume. Blue man wears blue costume. Sure. Sure. I like there's a nice touch here where Nightcrawler, he's only got like two big toes and some of this nature that's pulling at his body is wrapped around one of his two toes on his feet. They're, they got to get they got to get him somehow. Yeah. I guess they're pulling him back. So let's uh, let's get into this. Scott Lobdell. He's the word man. Dave Ross is the pencil person. Al Milgram on inks. Ken Lopez lettering. Brad Vancata is the colorist. Terry Kavanaugh. Something important, <laughs> Tom DeFalco, we've always wondered. <laughs> this one's titled No Man is an Island with a subtitle, but no island is a man either, so it works out. This is a uh, cover date of 1990, uh, on sale date of September 18th of 1990, the cover price of $1.75, holy cow. Well, Excalibur was always a premier okay. yeah, uh, comic. Yeah, so was Wolverine. Makes sense. That's probably why I didn't buy Excalibur, because I was like, oh, that's a bit too much for my budget. Yeah, I only have a $5 allowance. <laughs> I can pick up three seventy-five centers and one Wolverine, and then i am yeah. got enough for a candy bar, and I'm Most done. Of my budget goes to that stupid Wolverine. <laughs> so when I opened up this issue, I didn't know what was happening, because this drawing looks like a truck driver <laughs> with elf ears. And a very angry frown and a giant chin. It doesn't in any way look like Nightcrawler, but it is. There's a, there's a tail. 
in the forefront. There is a tail there. And it also sort of looks like as he's sort of like thrusting forward, because what's happening here is he's in an airplane and the airplane's crashing. I think he's like trying, he's struggling to keep the thing uh, uh, level. But with his, his like uh, torso thrusting outward, it almost looks like he's just like a beer gutted truck driver sitting at the cockpit of a truck that has a yoke for a steering wheel for some reason. I can forgive you for not realizing that this wasn't a plane because I don't think it, I did either, but he basically says his like name. Well, he does. This, so you, you, you're tipped off at the bottom of the page though. Not immediately. Cause that's at the bottom of the page. So my eyes have to traverse all the way from the top pan down over this weird man who's sitting at this uh, steering wheel down to the word balloon. Then I have to actually start reading the word balloon. And it's not even until the third word balloon where he calls himself out by name. So it took a while to get there. I guess that's an interesting question. Are you, are you uh, pictures and then words? Cause I'm words and then pictures. I don't know. I've never really thought about it. And certainly when I read this, I was pictures than words. Cause I'm like, what is happening? And then I read the, I mean, obviously it didn't take as long as it described. I read it and I was like, Oh, okay. Nightcrawlers in an airplane. I guess I've never really thought about it either, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm words and then pictures. I feel like I've always been that way. I feel like I feel like uh, I follow the flow of the panel. So in the next page where we actually see the airplane and we start seeing uh, Nightcrawler thinking about, you know, what the problem is, I would start left to right, top to bottom. So I, there I would start with the words and then sort of glance at the picture as I went down to the bottom right thought balloon yeah then with comics there's a lot of simultaneity to it you're kind of absorbing the pictures yeah. as you're absorbing the words unless you specifically focus on the word uh, pictures before you focus on the words which it doesn't sound like you do yeah no i i, I feel like the reading is the primary thing but sort of in order of the way that i just described uh, and then actually the pictures are sort of secondary to the words like i don't feel like i consciously look at this airplane and be like okay there's an airplane it looks like it's having some problems now let me read these word balloons <laughs> oh it is having problems yay <laughs> <laughs> i was able to figure out what the artist intended so the takeaway here is nightcrawler's on vacation and the airplane's crashing because there's a storm uh and he reminds himself or us the audience that you know he's, he's his powers are limited these days he can really only teleport once so he spots an island he's like well it's it's now or never i guess i'll use my one time teleport and he does and the airplane crashes behind him and we get a reminder of the physics behind nightcrawler's power is that he teleports basically at the same motion of whatever so if if nightcrawler's falling at 50 miles an hour, and he teleports lower, he's still falling at 50 miles per hour. Yep. So in this case, like, he was going forward, he teleported out, and he continues that that whole Newton's law of objects in motion thing. My big question is if, if he's teleporting in the rain, <laughs> and the rain, he's inevitably going to get some drops of water inside his body, then mostly that's probably okay. But there's some areas of the body where that probably wouldn't be okay. 
Yeah, who knows? Maybe, you know, Nightcrawler's done a lot of teleporting. He's done probably a lot of teleporting in the rain. And maybe unbeknownst to himself, you know, whenever a raindrop has gotten caught in his bones, he's got like little holes in his bones. Yeah. And a later story is going to be a decrepit Nightcrawler who basically just breaks all. He's like Mr. Glass from those Unbreakable movies. <laughs> Where anything time he does anything, he, that would be a great story arc. Just just an aside of like, oh, Kurt, all that teleporting you did into debris and rain. You didn't feel it. You didn't know it, but it's caught up with you. What happens if he gets like a raindrop in his eyeball? Well, I don't know. Is it an eyeball like 99% water anyways? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. Does it does it physically affect nerve nerves and cause damage? Here's what I would like to pretend is that when Nightcrawler reappears, he reappears at a molecular level from the inside out. So first molecule is created and then expands beyond that. And and basically his body expands out of that teleportation window, pushing everything out from from within. So if it's like like dust or dirt or rain, it all just gets pushed away. But if he was to teleport in the middle of like a brick wall, obviously he wouldn't be able to push that away and he would be dead. I like that. I just made that up. Marvel, you can have it. But it kind of begs the question, if that's true, then why does he need to have, what does he have to see or have, have, have a familiarity with the area before he can teleport there. He needs to know that he's not going to teleport into a brick wall or into a ceiling or into a couch. Okay, so that's not an actual rule. It's just a uh, preference. It's, it's a, probably a strongly encouraged preference because we've seen him teleport blindly. In fact, I think there was an issue where like the big thing was like, I trust you. You could do it, Nightcrawler. He's like, okay. <laughs> and he does. But that yeah, that's the concern is that if he teleports to a place he can't see or hasn't been before – he runs the risk of teleporting into something. So what happens if he teleports into a rock wall? That's, does, does, the, does the atom reconstruction attempt to spread out the area around him <laughs> and then fail into like a splatter? Yeah. So basically his, his whatever part of his body that is in the wall ends up as just a smear fitting into the crevice of like whatever <laughs> gaps there are. And yeah. Then the rest of him that's outside of the wall is just like whatever is left, just like screaming in agony. <laughs> you know what? I think this calls for a new series of what if issues that are one page long. And <laughs> each story is like, what if Nightcrawler teleported into a wall? Uh, and any other sort of like real quick stories. It could be 22 stories in 22 pages, all what ifs. The what ifs did occasionally do one pagers. I just remember I had the what if Wolverine met Conan issue, mm-hmm. the barbarian Conan O'Brien, not Conan O'Brien. Oh, this is pre pre. Well, this probably wasn't pre Conan O'Brien. <laughs> He's an it old man. It, it was probably pre Conan O'Brien. Uh, but uh, the last page was a what if Conan uh, Conan O'Brien. What if Conan the Barbarian really met? Wolverine, and it's just the two of them hanging hanging out with uh, having beers. Yeah, and it was just a one pager, and it was more memorable than the entire issue. My my uh, my idea is more grim. Yeah, well, most what ifs are. (laughs) It'd be on the darker side. Yeah, that's the great thing about what ifs is you. They almost eighty to ninety percent of the time they ended badly. 
Yeah, it was didn't seem like it was better for any of the characters or the Marvel universe. Which is it was it was kind of the message was we had to do it the way we did it because right. otherwise it would have gone really badly. Which is fun. It's a little built-in <laughs> morality. We're right. Shut up. Yeah. Stop, stop trying to get your no prizes. Yeah, no more no prizes. See, we did the what if. So Nightcrawler goes careening into a tree, and uh, he, as he's passing out, he sees a sculpture of his own head and then realizes that it's not just his head, but there's Cyclops and Colossus and Wolverine and Storm and Sunfire, I think. And then two kittens, it looks like, at the at the end of the thing. I think that's supposed to be Wolverine and Sunfire. Okay. I thought they were like little bunny rabbits. At first, I thought the one bunny rabbit was growing out of the back of Storm's head. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what happened to Storm? Why is one bunny rabbit behind the other bunny rabbit? Because uh, they ran out of room in the panel? Yeah, the artist was like, ah, crap. <laughs> I got to fit this other character in. Now, there's no Thunderbird here, so that's, that's an omission. Um, I don't remember what Thunderbird looks like. Does he just look like Warpath, but younger? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Long hair, headband. Not as bulky? Uh, yeah. I feel like once Liefeld starts drawing War- Warpath, he's huge. Yeah. And so he passes out. Uh, and a native sees Nightcrawler, and, and she's like, hmm, that's weird. What's going on over there? <laughs> Meanwhile, Megan is sitting on top of the lighthouse, and she's really upset that she almost ate a puppy last issue. Adam, do you remember that? Yeah, she turned into a vampire. Yeah. Doctor Strange showed up. Yep. I had no idea what she was talking about and actually had to open the last issue. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we did read this like two months ago. Yeah. And so, yeah, she, she took a bite out of uh, Nightcrawler, and she's been so absorbed by her thoughts that she didn't even realize that she had turned into sort of a human seagull uh, because seagulls are flying all around her. I like this uh, picture of her as a, as a bird face. Yeah. And then Brian shows up and he's like, Hey babe. And so she turns back into Megan and they talk a little bit about the whole vampire thing. And basically Captain Britain's like, it's all, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Remember I was a robot for a minute. Or no, you're not, uh, replaced you're by not Mastermind. You're not responsible. You were a vampire at the time. It yeah. sounds silly when we say it aloud, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, Brian. Yeah, everything's fine. Uh, what do you think about Kurt? Oh, he's probably having the time of his life. He was a robot once? No, he wasn't a robot. Uh, Mastermind took him over for like a number of issues. Oh, yeah, and that was what was going on behind the scenes. And yeah. And didn't learn about it for a while. Yeah. Remember, like, all these storylines were opening up, and I guess whoever was like, nah, this is Mastermind. Yeah, it turns out Brian Braddock is not a jerk. Right, because there's still that hanging thread of him, like, going and hanging out with Courtney Ross, which I guess they sort of rewrote into Mastermind was just messing I think around. Chris I Claremont know. comes back next issue, so maybe we'll find out? Yeah, we'll see. So Nightcrawler wakes up and more natives have the female native and they are taking her up to a volcano, presumably to sacrifice her. And Nightcrawler doesn't even know. He's like, for all I know, she might have committed some crime, but I'm going to follow them anyway. And he follows them to an edge of a volcano where they pick her up and toss her in and he ports 
uh, teleports in front of her to catch her. For the second time. So in the plane, he had mentioned, like, I can only teleport once, but lately I've been able to push it a little bit more. So He's been practicing to try to break past that. Yeah, so now he's at two for the day. Reporting too much, can barely stand, won't be able to fight them at all. But they all start worshipping him, so he doesn't have to fight them. But they drop the lady, he catches her, but falls backwards into the volcano. And we get some playful back-and-forth dialogue between her and Nightcrawler. She is speaking an entirely different language that he does not understand, and he just keeps responding, and it's it's clever and it's cute. He's he's just going with it. Yeah. You notice this mysterious rock forming out of nowhere too, he says, as they land on a mysterious rock that just formed out of nowhere. Good. I thought it was just me. <laughs> and so this rock brings them to the bottom of the volcano, and she starts speaking in her language and best of moon <laughs> yeah you probably took the words right out of my mouth i see but i have no idea what it is and something is appearing it's a creature kind of looks like a giant toad and then he looks at the wall and on the wall he sees the original x-men all tangled up and the new x-men coming to save uh and he's like oh of course the natives must have witnessed our battle against krakoa the living isle that explains their reverence for the X-Men, but why the human sacrifice? Yep. Then we get a frogman. And the frogman comes out and he's like, hey, I'm the son of Krakoa. <laughs> I guess he needs the occasional essence of a human soul to build his strength in order to avenge his dead. And yes, he is the son of Krakoa. His plan is to grow in strength and I think take over the world. First, he wants to kill the X-Men, but then he wants to take over the world. Yeah. Um, apparently, when Krakoa left Earth, he dropped some spores, and the son of Krakoa is the only spore that survived. Yeah. Yep. So this guy, uh, the son of Krakoa, can speak the native's language, and She's shouting at the son of Krakoa, and Nightcrawler's like, oh, just tell her to go to the surface, and she'll be safe. And so he's like, oh, I'll do that, no problem. And so he does, and then she gets all mad, and uh, son of Krakoa translates, and she's like, yeah, because you're not quite what she expected from her god. You let her down. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, uh, he says... Not at all, you see, as my father was before me, I am of this earth. I am Vega Superior. Vega Superior? Please be serious. I feel like it's Vega Superior for some reason. We can go with that. Let's go with Vega Superior. Because otherwise, I don't know what Vega means. Uh, vegan? Maybe. Vega, I don't know. And so she takes off... The son of Krakoa here uh, grabs Nightcrawler a la the cover, pulling him towards uh, him. There's such a thing as being too serious. Uh, the son of Krakoa says, oh, I should probably get a sense of humor before I take over the human race. It'll help. <laughs> I'm free on Tuesday if you'd like a lesson. I am afraid you will be dead long before Tuesday. So this issue, uh, I'm going to, I like this issue a lot. Uh, be I do too. Because it, it, it moves really fast and you get like this ridiculous dialogue, but it's 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 ridiculous, but at the same time, it's it's sort of endearing. 
it's uh, the dialogue is very well crafted because yeah. it's fun. Yeah. And so Nightcrawler grabs a piece of a stalactite because it's on the ground, right? Okay. Stalactites. I, I've never, I've <laughs> never known. I know one of them is on the top and one of them is on the bottom. And one of them is a mite and the other one is a tight. And there's a way to remember. Hang on. I'm going to tell you. I, 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 might, I probably have this backwards because neither one of it really makes sense. A stalactite holds tight to the ground, whereas a stalagmite, with ha- which I believe has a G, is stalagmite and stalactite. The stalagmite holds to the ceiling with all of its might. Could we just say the stalagmite fall? Yeah, I, I think you could reverse that and it would still make sense. So I probably have it all wrong. Anyways, he grabs this rock and uses it to cut the uh, son of Krakoa's little little tendrils off of his body. And yeah, he starts climbing away. And that's when he reveals that he has been secretly cultivating um, using... So during the X-Men's brief visit to my father's aisle, he memorized their genetic codes. As his direct descendant, I share all his memories. I've used that information to breed... A new race of man, I call them the Vegemen. Yep, and so you get a you get a Wolverine, you get a Colossus, you get a Cyclops, um, and they're all sort of, well, they're they're not quite as you would remember them. They're a little little messed up. Like the logo on the cover, they are made of different naturalistic materials. Right, Colossus is made out of stone. Wolverine is made out of ice. Is Colossus made out of stone or lava? Because I feel like, oh no, wait, Cyclops is made out of lava. A lava spouting Cyclops and a Wolverine made of ice. It's not the same. And I think he reasons that, oh, I see, this is how your father remembers them, but he wouldn't have known exactly what they were like. And that's why Nightcrawler is able to punch Wolverine out and he's able to get the drop on Cyclops. He basically is able to handily take out all of these fake X-Men. There's there there is never a very much uh, challenge for him in this issue, which is fine and actually is works to the advantage of the issue. I think. Yeah, it keeps the spirit fun. So the the girl is now the native girl is now hiding behind Krakoa. She's speaking her language, and Son of Krakoa translates and says, "She said, die, die, false god, die, die, die." I think you adlibbed the last die, but I get the basic idea. And he teleports one more time for a total of three. And he even says, can't believe I ported three times in one day. Keep pushing myself like this. They're going to be pickling, picking blue fur off the beach for weeks. So he teleports himself way up into the air in which, in, uh, at which point a wooden, is this supposed to be angel or is this just some other creature? I guess it would be angel because there is no archangel yet. No, I know. This is Angel back in his Krakoan costume. But is this supposed to be Angel, or is this just supposed to be a flying son of Krakoa? It's supposed to be Angel. Okay. So he, he grabs Nightcrawler and is flying away, but Nightcrawler grabs... I'm not sure quite what happens here. He grabs... he The son of Krakoa here says, um, I'm a part of this island. What it sees, I see. What I feel, uh, I feel everything it feels. Nightcrawler says, everything and breaks a stick? No. So what happens is he grabs a stick and twists around and slams Angel into a tree. Okay. So he's using the momentum that they're doing to spin him around. So, yeah, I was confused at first, too. But I thought it would be a neat idea I, if Nightcrawler just started, like, breaking branches and Son of Krakoa is like, oh, stop it. 
I feel that. I feel everything on this island. Yeah, I'm in. It's okay that it's not that way, though. I don't. I don't. I don't know. At some point, there's he like I think he's destroying trees and it doesn't hurt as much. Not really. It's not really consistent. But the tree does, or the angel does groan. Groan. So Nightcrawler lands on the ground. He's he's kind of standing there. There's some some other natives there, and they're saying, "Bulari Jack Cole," and they say it over and over again. And somebody grabs Nightcrawler from behind. He's like, ah, I get it. Balari means man-god. Jekyll means look out behind you. All right, great. Took your time translating that one, no. <laughs> and it is a it is a mud Nightcrawler that is attacking him from behind. The real Nightcrawler flips him over into a tree uh, where he melts into a puddle, but then reforms underneath Nightcrawler. Uh, I guess teleporting, air quote. Yeah, he doesn't actually possess our powers, but rather he improvises. This may be the key to defeating him. Oh, of course, he's teleporting beneath me. I've never tried this before. How am I doing? Here's a little piece of advice I've learned over the years. Never try out new powers in the middle of a fight. And then he hits him with a stick. I see what you mean, says son of Krakoa. And for the record, the sound is bamf, not bumpf. Because in the previous panel, when he was melting, the Nightcrawler, fake Nightcrawler said, boomph. Is that breaking a fourth wall right there for Nightcrawler to to acknowledge the sound? It's been acknowledged before, so I don't know. I mean, clearly it makes a consistent sound that people have commented on before. I don't know. Hmm. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Now that's revealing. Having lost contact with the Earth, this mud creature seems to have lost its life, which I didn't understand because it still has connection with the tree. Mm. And if Kakoa is everything. Right. And uh, you had the bird. It should still be functioning. The bird guy was flying around. Uh, Maybe because this particular thing is mud. It ha- it's like a particular material, I guess, is the idea. So meanwhile, the, the frog son of Krakoa comes up from the volcano, I guess. He's now on the surface. And that native lady from earlier in the issue, she's on his shoulder. So she's clearly, she's she's not having any of this X-Men God thing. She's squarely on the side of Krakoa. So I feel like she has a slight arc here. Oh. Whereas she was, she must have been a traitor to the cause somehow. Oh. And that's why they decided to sacrifice her to the God. That could be. But she, uh, she sided with him immediately to the point where like, he's like, okay, what? I will not let him escape my love. Give me a little credit. Uh, and she's like sitting on his, uh, son of Krakoa's shoulder and just looking completely insane. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Get him is essentially what she's saying. So Nightcrawler dives into the water and he's like, let's hope they follow me. And he does. He's so angry. When the X-Men reversed, or when the, I gotta come up with a voice for this guy. I keep just keep doing Nightcrawler. <laughs> when the X-Men reversed my father's magnetic polarity, it was, I was the only spore to land on an island. All the rest fell into the sea. I lived while well, they, they drowned. He kind of looks like Kermit the Frog. Drowned? Alp. And he does. Wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> Hi, Hope. You tricked me. <laughs> Hi, Hope. Kermit the Frog here. 
You realize uh, you that me. <laughs> you realize that away from the aisle, I would not have my strength, my abilities. Yeah. <laughs> yep, just like that. Now let's go back and record all of his lines using the Kermit the Frog voice. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Charming personality. It was a hunch, but I figured it would work. Why would an island need to learn how to swim? And so the son of Krakoa drowns. No. Uh, Hi-ho. This cannot be <laughs> happening to me. Piggy. And she drowns. The lady, she's like yelling some. Yay! <laughs> she's yelling some some of her language, and 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 Kermit here is like, "Oh, shut up! I am the son of Krakoa. I am me- I am Veja Superior. I am sunk." And then she's left, kind of all by herself, stewing. She's got the little cross hatches for a word balloon, and just. Uh, well, sometime later, as the dialogue box says, the rest of Excalibur shows up and they're like, hey, there's there's Kurt. He's hanging out with all those people. Uh, um, Rachel's like, I want to know why that woman is in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good yeah, thing to know. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's good that her first concern is like, hey, uh, oh, what, what is happening here? <laughs> oh, well. It wasn't my idea. Honest, Rachel. Apparently, it's an ancient island tradition. Any islander who offends the god, me in this case, is sentenced to a month in the cage. And then he goes on to say, well, maybe I should start at the beginning. I was flying the plane that Brian lent me. Listen, that... Wait. uh, That plane has been in my family for years. (laughs) If anything has happened to it... Brian, please let him continue. Uh, maybe I should start in the middle. After I safely navigated the plane to the shore. How's he going to explain that? The end. Well, Krakoa threw it into the water. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, all things consider. All things considered. Is that the right phrase? This has been all things considered on NPR. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's a very lighthearted issue, but somehow... It stays away from being stupid. It does. Do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes they do these lighthearted issues, and you're like, "This is just stupid." Uh, this was just this was fun. Uh, it's clever. It maintained that sort of um, lighthearted humor all the way through the issue consistently. I liked it. But I wish the current run of X Men, Krakoa, had a weird little grudge against Nightcrawler. <laughs> Everybody's welcome to the island, except for that Nightcrawler guy. I'm not sure about him. He killed my son. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, plants give off, you know, millions of spores throughout their lives. So Krakoa, the island of Krakoa, may not even know that he had a spore that lived. But Nightcrawler probably, like, tells him one (laughs) night in a drunken haze. And I... I killed your I killed your son. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Doug, could you tell Krakoa? Um, I have a secret. I killed his son. And that's why Kitty can't get through gates. Because of Nightcrawler. Yep. Something Nightcrawler did. Putting it all together. Well, let's uh let's shift our attention over to Alpha Flight number ninety. Wrapping up the four part series that we've been covering with Wolverine in it. Thank God. For, for whatever reason. Um yeah. It's got a nice Jim Lee cover with some classic Jim Lee poses. Oh, I didn't even realize that was Jim Lee. Heck yeah. Yeah, I can see it in the Wolverine and the uh, Heather. Everybody else is kind of not very well detailed. 
Uh, the wild child I can recognize. The guy behind wild child, the gold guy, is kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. Spider lady, she's kind of crappy. Spider lady is very uh, McFarlane-esque just because of the design. Yeah. It's like Spawn meets Spider-Man. Yeah. And then the uh, the guy, the guardian in the background is pretty lame. Yeah. So yeah, they're 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 still punching Wild Child, and uh, oh, yeah. So like uh, to get through this fairly quickly, there's yeah. three stories Ooh, here. Nemesis, that's the Spider Lady. Okay, <laughs> yeah, this she was cool when she first showed up in the John Byrne run, and she's not cool anymore. Yeah. Um, the Heather and Wolverine handily make uh, quick work of Gamma Flight, which is where we left off. It takes a few pages, but yeah, they 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 get through it pretty quick. Uh, and it is revealed that the Marvel Comics present story from that Rob Liefeld drew that we covered uh, took place a year ago. Oh, which I thought it was taking place concurrently with this four part story. Oh, but I was wrong. No, I I thought I had connected that that was like a. It seemed that they were running at the same time, but they were building a. This is today's story, and that's. That's all the background for this story. Well, then you were right. Woo! There's one important scene, I guess, in this first few-page vignette where uh, Wolverine's got Wild Child on the ropes. He's got Wild Child doubled over. He's got his fist in his gut. And Heather's like, Wolverine or Logan, no. He's like, I know, I know. It's time to put the animal back in the cage. So he wasn't actually going to pop his claws into his gut. But he wanted to. Although he does pop his claws in a, like, there's a snicked. So we don't see him pop his, like, stab him or anything. But he dearly, clearly did pop his claws. We just oh, never see them. Oh, yeah. Feels like a mistake. Hmm. Yeah, because he's got him by the throat and neck. Wild Child's tongue is sticking out like he's being choked. Then you get a snicked, and then the next panel, the fist is in his gut. So maybe he got stabbed, and and this is just like, not like Wolverine's not going to gut him. He has a healing factor. So maybe he just did it in such a way that incapacitated him. From. Yeah, I guess. Anyways, so that mostly takes us away from the Wolverine and uh, story, um, which uh, now we cut over to the forge story. We'll get, we'll get rid of that pretty quickly. Yeah. There's only uh, two pages of this. Yeah. James Hudson, the original guardian is back and we get, a very convoluted story about how he came back. And it is very reminiscent to the convoluted story about how he came back last time he came back, because I guess last time he came back and it turned out he was a robot. That robot stole that story from the truth, I guess is what they're saying here. At any rate, uh, he's very weird now because he's been rebuilt by a alien race that didn't know the difference between biology and his suit. So they rebuilt him as both a biological suit man um and and he's a robot he's he's like a he's a biological robot man yeah um what this guy is working for roxon that's what it was yep they all leave roxon and uh the guy's gonna get revenge for some reason <laughs> yeah this, guess, is a, this is what you do this is a crazy man with with his v helmet and i'm sort of intrigued as to like where his story goes because he's he's angry looking you know what I was mostly intrigued by was the two-page Splatterhouse advertisement in this comic. Oh, yeah. Did you ever play Splatterhouse? 
No, that was, that was it's it's one of those uh, games that is like renowned, right? It was it was in the arcade, uh, but then it was ported over to the Turbo Graphics sixteen. The first one was. It's so okay. fun. Is it on the Turbo Graphics sixteen thing that came out recently? The mini? I don't know. I didn't get that. I wonder if it is. If it is, then it's worth opening up and playing that game. Because I have that and I haven't opened it yet. You should look. If it's on there, you should play it. Uh, and then Splatterhouse 2 and 3, I think, came out on the Genesis. It was one of those games that was like super violent, right? And that's why it was notorious. Yeah. Like yeah. a Mortal Kombat type deal. Yeah. It's funny because you basically play a character that looks like Jason Voorhees, and you're, <laughs> but you're walking through all of these settings. This is a side scroller, picking up weapons, smashing like zombies and ghosts. You don't do any human smashing, uh, but it's, it's, it's pretty um, explicit, but then they couch it with the story of like, you were just, just like this cartoon here shows you were with your girlfriend and then you went into this evil house and then you got cursed with this mask, <laughs> uh, which is basically an excuse just to run around killing things, looking for your girlfriend, Jennifer. I think that's her name. And then, um, oh, there Did was. Did you finish the game? Do you get transformed back to a normal dude? I don't, I don't, I've never finished the game. I've gotten pretty far. It's, it's kind of tough. A lot of those Turbo 16 games were like, was that Golden Axe? That game's impossible. I think it's on Genesis. But yeah, that's hard too. Um, there was also a 3D, like a, like a first person splatterhouse for th- like modern ish consoles, like Xbox 360, PS3. What's the Turbo Graphics game where you transform into a beast? Like it's you, you turn into a wolf guy. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe every level you transform into a different beast. I feel like it had beast in the name. But, but it's not Beastmaster or Beastman. I, I don't I don't know. It's like a classic Turbo Graphics game that Astral Beast or something. I'm googling it Astral in the title. Shadow of the Beast. Shadow of the Beast. Yeah. Okay. I don't that know if that's hard. the one you're talking about, but it's a that was a Turbo Graphics CD game. So you had to have like the CD expansion. If that's if that's what I'm thinking of, it starts out fairly easy and then it gets very hard very quickly. Which I imagine is what the Splatter House also does. Yeah. I mean, it's just like is it like I don't want to oversimplify, but it's like any other game where like you, you just kind of have to figure out what the patterns are and yeah, you know, memorize. Like the the level I get stuck on is like I think level four. And there's a lot of like horror cliches. I'm going to spoil it. In the first level, you encounter a bunch of zombies that are dancing to a thriller esque theme song. Oh, that's cool. And then you got to kill them. Later on, in like the fourth level, there's a bunch of sharks, a la jaws that are jumping at you and so you have to like figure out that pattern because i don't remember if you can kill them or not but that's where i always get stuck because it's i also think that it's one of those auto scrolling levels you don't have time to think side note is jaws a horror film <laughs> yes or does it just because i become a horror film because they made a bunch of terrible sequels to it <sighs> jaws is one of the greatest movies ever made <laughs> it's a great movie i'm not i that that has nothing to do with what I said. I just don't think it's a horror movie. Well, it's, if, a, it's a great movie, if, and therefore it's not a horror movie. Oh, that's not that's not fair. You can't say that all horror movies are bad movies. 
I can say that all horror movies are not great movies. I disagree. The only ones that I think are great are the ones that are kind of the outliers, like Jaws or Alien. Night of the Living Dead? Dawn of the Dead? I, I still haven't seen Night of the Living Dead, oh, so I can't, I can't comment on that. All right, well. Dawn of the Living Dead is not a horror film. Dawn of the Dead. Or Dawn of the Dead. It's, it's not, not a- really a horror film. It's, it's a fun adventure romp. There's very little horror in that movie. Are you talking about uh, the original one or are you talking about the remake? It's very. I'm talking about the original. It's very gory for sure. Yeah. But it's not very horrific at all. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. There's there's maybe one or two jump scares. But other than that, yes, it, it, the movie just plays out. Yeah. It's a good old time. <laughs> um, yeah, this, is, this has been... Arguing about genres with Jeremy and Adam. <laughs> I, I guess I don't. I probably have far looser definitions of of what things are. Well, like you said, that a horror film can be great. What is an example of a great horror film that is just Night of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead? Oh, I, I mean, I think people would argue that Halloween. I, I'm not a huge Halloween fan, but I think a lot of people would argue that Halloween's a great horror film. I've seen that one. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. You know, the original one, of course. I wouldn't put it on par with Citizen Kane or anything, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, very few things are. I liked, um, I don't know if you would call this a horror film either, but The Devil's Rejects, I think, is a great movie. I think we've discussed this, and yeah, you've intrigued me. Normally, I would not be interested in watching a Rob Zombie film at all. So, it was a sequel of House of a Thousand Corpses, which is strictly a horror film and the fact that these kids go to a house and horrific things happen that movie to me is forgettable but the sequel is basically like all the bad guys from that movie go on a road trip see it becomes great because it becomes less (laughs) about the horror well and then they cause chaos and they you know they murder people and and do bad things because you know they're they're horrible people but But is, uh, is it ever horrific uh, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I'm open to being wrong. I just, I, I honestly don't have enough experience with horror films to know if there is or is not a great horror film or a masterpiece of the genre. I mean, I like, I suppose I like uh, that Dario Argento film that everybody likes, Suspiria. Yeah. But again, that doesn't feel like a horror film. Evil Dead 2. Yeah, that's a comedy. <laughs> it falls under the horror genre, though. If you go to the, the video store, which no longer exists, you would find that under the horror section. And I would say that is misplaced. <laughs> uh, yeah. That is, like, that is like a spoof of the horror genre. I mean, it's a great... I love it. It's probably... Of the trilogy, that's my favorite one. The early, uh, the early Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, what's his name? The animated ones? No. Who's the guy that did those movies? Oh, the director. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that guy. That guy. His early movies. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson uh, are are great. I've only seen Meet the Feebles. I haven't seen Meet the Feebles. What other ones are there? Maybe I have seen them. I don't know. Well, definitely haven't seen the the one with the rosary where he kicks butt for the Lord or something like that. There's. Uh, there's bad taste, which I don't know if I'm going to call that a great movie, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's probably on par with Meet the Feebles. Definitely not a great movie. Pretty disgusting. 
bad taste was very disgusting, but when you start digging into it, you realize like here was a guy who had no money that wanted to make a movie. And basically whenever his friends had time, they would come over and, and film this thing and then they put it together. And so for what they had available and what they were able to produce, I call it a great movie. So James Gunn is the Peter Jackson of this generation. Well, the other one is Brain Dead, which I think has been called a, a number of different things. I don't think I've seen that either of those. Dead Alive is its alternate title. Okay, that's another movie where it's it's less it's still pretty gory, but it's a lot less gory than Bad Taste. But it starts entering like Evil Dead Two territory, and I don't know. Um, I guess it's from 1992, so I'm sure he was influenced. Oh, he did Heavenly Creatures, which I liked a lot. I don't know if that's a horror movie, though. That's a really it's good not movie, a, It's not a horror movie. Yeah. But it's good. Horror is a tough genre. I mean, wh- what genre is... What was the example you used? Uh, Citizen Kane? Was it drama? Yeah, I guess Citizen Kane would be a drama. Right. And so, uh, what? what's Godfather? Also a drama. I uh, mean... What about... Um, uh, if it's about people, it's a drama, <laughs> I guess. What about the the... Play it again, Sam. Whatever. Like Casablanca? Yeah. Yeah, that would also be a drama. So I think what you're saying is that the only great movies are dramas. No. There's <laughs> like, you, so far you just named three movies that happen to be good that also happen to be dramas. I mean, you could you could uh, name, name some films that aren't dramas, and I'll tell you if they're great or not. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that for the next hour. Okay. Back to the Future. <laughs> uh, back to the Future, not great. What? Good. Oh, Very yeah, good. No, no. Back to the Future is a perfect movie. No, yep, not at all. Yep, that's a sci-fi. Uh, that's definitely not a drama. It's got some dramatic elements, but it's, it's a sci-fi for sure. You know what else is a perfect movie? Um, I'm preparing to disagree with you. Go Ghostbusters. Everybody says that Ghostbusters is a perfect movie. It's a damn good movie, but I don't know if it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. It's a little slow at points. No, it's a perfect movie. <laughs> Back to the Future 2 and 3 and Ghostbusters 2, not perfect movies. Sometimes not even good movies. Yeah. But those first ones, perfect. Perfection. There's a time and a place. Nope. Always. It definitely, uh, it definitely came out at the right time. Those those particular movies represent sort of the era that they came from. You know what else is a perfect movie? I got two more. Is it going to be from, are they both from the 80s? Yes. So it's basically, well, no, they might perfect be from the movies 90s. are movies that you grew up with. <laughs> Scrooged? Another perfect movie. Okay. And Groundhog's Day. Oh, so you're really digging deep into the Bill Murray. <laughs> it, it just, you know, it is what it is. You can't argue <laughs> it. He, he picked some good roles. He picked some bad ones, too, but he picked some good roles. Yeah, I wouldn't say any of those are perfect movies. I would say a perfect movie is Terminator 2. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with that. See, I'm not like you. It's just all disagreeable. I mean, it's like a gut thing, man. If you, I'm not saying that these movies aren't perfect for you. I just don't think they're perfect for. Uh, 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 I just uh, the Shining. Shining's a perfect movie. I'll give you that. That's a horror movie. That's got scares. It's not a horror movie though. It's like a psychological terror. Oh, Jesus! Now you're just splitting hairs. I have to though, because what? What is? So you have your you have your typical horror movies, and you're like you think of like the slasher film uh, Halloween type stuff, uh, evil dead type monster type stuff. Um, but shining doesn't have any of those tropes. Well, I guess 
you know, I can play, I can split hairs too and say that, that Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street are horror, but they're campy horror. Okay. Whereas The Shining is psychological thriller horror. I just don't feel like I, for a horror movie to be a horror movie, there has to be a horrific element to it. And I don't think anything is horrific about The Shining. What? I mean, maybe, maybe the twins. You crazy. The blood, maybe, maybe. the twins, Jack running around, killing everybody with his axe. The, the blood ghosts. elevator is surreal. It's not, it's not really horrific. When Danny goes into the room and that creepy old lady gets out of the bathroom. Oh, my God. It's the stuff of nightmares. And then Jack goes into the room and the creepy old lady is a pretty you know, naked woman. They make out and then he pulls away and she's old and like, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. a good movie. I just don't think it's a horror movie. <laughs> well, but if it is a horror movie, it's the only one I own. There you go. All right. Well, back to uh, Alpha Flight. Yeah. So uh, this V guy. Um, yeah. He's the master of the universe or the world or something. At any rate, uh, Puck is back. Sure. And I don't know what's going on, but Talisman puts her head her puts her head inside of her dad's magic bag and ends up killing herself but saving the day. So now Puck is back. And then we cut back to Wolverine and the gamma flight and stuff. And the only thing that's kind of interesting here is Wolverine basically says, You did really good, uh lady, uh Heather. You're, uh, I, I came, I did what I came to do. You're awesome. And you, you can make your own decisions now. And then she says, now that, uh, wild child is gone, we can't use his blood to transfuse transfusion to try to help cure your healing factor, which is a running thread in this four issue series that Wolverine's healing factor is on the fritz. So they don't solve the problem, but I don't know if this ever happens outside of Alpha Flight. Uh, yeah, I mean, Wolverine's healing factor has been on the fritz for, like, two years. Is this part of that? Is I don't this know. Is part of the, the Chris Claremont current thing that's happening where he's just been healing super slow? Yes. So when did he have time for an Elva Flight adventure? <laughs> yeah, you know, he ducked out while you know, the Extinction Agenda was happening. He's like, <laughs> I gotta take a flight over to Canada real quick. I'll be right back. Hey, Gene, can you stay in this cell for a bit and kind of pretend like I'm here? I got to go help on my Alpha Flight. Yeah, the cameras can't t- detect me anyway, so we should be fine. Just keep on making out with nobody. With nobody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Adam. Uh, Will do! <laughs> I feel like Scott Lobdell's story about Wolverine's healing factor is influenced by the happenings in Chris Claremont's X-Men run, but it's not fully realized. So it doesn't fit anywhere in the timeline, but it is influenced by what is currently running. All right. That makes sense. That's what I'm going with. Um, now, Chris didn't call me and tell me that or anything. Okay. Because <laughs> he usually does call you and let you know that, about these things. He does. You know, usually after we drop a podcast, he'll he'll call me with, correct, with corrections. <laughs> yeah. And you make sure to edit everything, which is why our, pod, our podcast is so accurate. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Now, now you know the inside secret, everybody. So, yeah, this issue ends. Um, Alpha Flight's back together. There's a whole bunch of members. James Hudson is back as Guardian. Uh, everything's happy. Puck says, what are we going to do with 13 elephants? Which I feel like is a reference to 
what are we going to do with 13 X-Men? There's a weird scene here where uh, he comes in and Heather Hudson's like, Mac, is it really you? Oh, you're alive. I'm so happy. And then he's like, doesn't hug her back. He, she's like all over him, like crying, got his arm, her arms all around him. He's just standing there and he's like, yes, Heather, I am <laughs> functional. I am alive. So yeah, I wonder if they actually do anything with that, but we won't find out. I'm going to keep reading Alpha Flight, so I'll let you know if anything happens. Oh, wonderful. Or I'll just forget. <laughs> Probably I'll just forget. So let's turn our attention to New Warriors number five, where there's not much to talk about other than the fact that Emma Frost is super interested in Angelica Houston. No, what's her last name? <laughs> <laughs> Firestorm. Angelica I don't know what her Jones. last name is. Angelica Jones. Yes. And uh, it's a half page. Hellfire Club, Hellfire yeah. Goon. Somebody's hacking the Hellfire Club because hacking is like this cool 90s lingo that is apparently happening. I think another thing gets hacked this month in Marvel Comics as well. Um, but uh, I don't. So it, two things are, are revealed to us. The first thing that's revealed to us is that Emma Frost is now the leader of the inner circle of the Hellfire Club. Which I feel like is not going to be a truth No. next time we see her in X-Men. The second thing that's revealed is way more of Emma Frost's midsection than you've ever seen before. This is a weird drawing because she has one full-length leg boot and one short boot that she cuts off under her knee. Otherwise, the outfit is the same, but well, it, it exposes far more of the leg. Yeah, well, no, I'm talking that... that that little so her top her um bustier like the midriff is the same as always that's the same i'm talking about those those briefs the the bikini bottom like i don't think we've ever seen it cut quite so low really okay oh, yeah, i'll take i'll also take your word it's 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 pretty ridiculous that's it uh so yeah maybe we'll we'll jump back into some more new warriors adventures as emma frost uh chases down angelica jones and this reminded me was Firestorm in the X-Men? Or no, that she was in like Fallen Angels or something, right? Wasn't she? Uh, was she? Uh, she was in something. She was in something and Emma Frost like wanted to get her to her uh, institute. Didn't she go to school with Kitty Pride for a brief, a brief second or two? That could be. I don't know. Maybe it's in the pages of New Mutants. Who knows? It seems like it would. She would belong, and she would work well in the pages of New Mutants. Punisher number thirty-three, and this is the other thing where somebody is hacking. Uh, Microchip, who is the Punisher's little buddy, uh, is hacking for some reason Australia, the, uh, the the place where the X Men used to live, and discovered all these awesome Reavers designs. They're like, whoever these guys are, they're way ahead of the latest American hardware, but. They shouldn't have been hacking yeah. because the Reavers are coming for them now. Well, yeah, uh, 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 Tank guy, Bonebreaker, is that him? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, somebody's hacking us, Pierce. we got to do something. Because evidently Tank Man is the resident computer expert now. But this issue is actually really good. You thought it was really good? Wow, okay. I thought it was fun. I thought, I thought it, was, it was decent. I mean, I've never really read Punisher comics. And for the most part, it's really... <laughs> 
Like the Punisher doesn't do much other than hide and then eventually escape. <laughs> um, well, he's he's super outmatched in this issue. Yeah, which is I don't know. Maybe that's kind of what I liked about it. Is it wasn't like I'm going to set all these booby traps and I'm going to knock them off one by one. It's basically like oh crap, <laughs> like they're coming for us and we need to get out. And that's basically the entire issue. So yeah, the Reavers load up. Uh, there's this weird exchange between Lady Deathstrike and Pierce. Where she's like, I'm going too. I've earned the right. And he's like, no, you're staying here. Yeah, feels like writer of this issue, not completely up to speed on what's going on, but enough to make up his own sort of plot. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, why, Pierce? Why am I needed here? Because I admire your passion. He's got a creepy look on his face. She's like recoiling, kind of like, ew, get away from me. But then says, I will stay, but only because it suits me. And I don't yeah. know what is happening here or what any of this means. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. I, like, I can't even tell what the implication is, if there is one. I feel like Pierce is horny, but I don't I mean, know. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but but I could also I could also just chalk this up to not understanding what's going on. That's If that's the case, it's stupid. <laughs> it, it, it's all very weird. But anyway, so she's not a part of this adventure. It's Pretty Boy, Reese, and Skullbuster, Bone, Break, Bone, Bone Breaker. Uh, they they head out to New Jersey because they've traced the hack. They're hoping it's Wolverine. Yeah, for some reason uh, they think it's Wolverine. They can't take a Gateway, which is an important plot point. Gateway's off doing something, so they have to take a plane in. Yeah, they say like he he's singing to the nature or something like that. Which is important because at some point the Punisher says, well, we got about a five-hour window because that's about how long it would take somebody from Australia to fly here at top speeds. I kind of wish then they just show up after that. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. Oh, crap. We're, we're way out of time. So they say that Wolverine, they said that they tried to analyze some of his blood, but the genetic code kept changing like it was mutating or something. Best we could do was come up with some synthesized pheromones. I don't know if that's a reference to the the X-Men can't be captured on tech, by technology or if that's just a reference to... Wolverine has healing factor blood. I don't know either, but it doesn't matter because this pheromone thing doesn't play a part in the rest of this issue. Maybe the next issue? Maybe, because this is a two-parter at least. Yeah. So yeah, the next few pages are uh, Microchip and the Punisher loading all the gear up and trying to hide all their stuff because they're, they're trying to empty this thing. Microchip has a Dalek and Punisher showing that he watches some episodes of Doctor Who immediately says, yeah, but can it go upstairs? Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I was like, somebody's been paying attention. <laughs> and so this Dalek, it's its head, it's, it's basically a tank with kind of a Dalek body and its head can extend up to 15 feet. It's like, it doesn't need to go upstairs because it can extend its head and shoot from four different directions. And then he does so. Even though nobody's like, like, I feel like this is dangerous. Yeah. It pops up through the ceiling and it starts firing. Yep. At what? I don't know. <laughs> Random birds are dying. Yeah. It's like somebody's on the roof. <laughs> so then they're like, okay, well, th- we got the whole plan. And, uh, oh, we do see the Dalek going down the stairs. Clank, clank, clank. So it can go downstairs. Microchip's like, okay, well, if the chips fall and, and we got to make a quick dash for it, we'll get in this boat and we'll go through the sewers. Punisher's like, gross. And he's like, no, 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 I got these these plastic suits and these gloves. I thought of everything. They're like Invisa suits. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that they don't have to draw new outfits, I guess. So I guess five hours has has uh, passed because there's there's a hobo digging around in a in a in a grocery cart in the alleyway, and Punisher's like, "This is an industrial zone. What would anybody want out there? It's time." Yeah, and then the the feed gets cut, yeah. so something's going on. Punisher gets on the roof. Reese shows up. He's like, "Hey, are you the jerk that hacked our computer?" <laughs> I thought you were somebody else. I have no idea who you are. Can we discuss this? Yeah, which is like cool. I like. This is where it starts turning from like a, a neat issue into a really good issue because it's not just like he didn't just start shooting right away. Oh, he's got he's he's outmatched as we said before. I mean, he's got to like he's got to be strategic about this. Yeah, if he can, he doesn't know these guys. If he can get them to go away, for for the best. Yep. I represent the Reaver Think Tank of Central Australia. Tell me you didn't try to tap into our computer. I didn't do it. Which is <laughs> <Just> true. <laughs> And uh, Reese here is like, Ugh, I don't believe you. Starts shooting. Punisher has a trap door that he's able to fall down into a net. And uh, this is when he starts narrating basically the rest of the book of how he didn't want to do that, but he had to. The Dalek thing proved to not be that great. It's got like four guns coming out of its head. And you've got, I think it's just Pretty Boy's arms coming around from two different corners. Yeah, and it's confusing the Dalek, so it's it's shooting in both directions, but it's missing. But later, Micro says he's just been toying with them the whole time, so I don't know. Oh. Punisher shoots off Pretty Boy's hand, but Pretty Boy has a secondary hand in place, and we'll learn later he even has a third hand in place. Yeah, a tertiary hand. <laughs> he's just got hands all over the place, and so he starts shooting at Punisher. The Punisher is able to escape, and he gets to Microchip. He's like, all right, we got to go. We've got to get out of here. Do you think they're Doombots? Yeah, they because Punisher had a recent encounter with the fake Dr. Doom in Latveria, so he's just assuming that – I think he stole a painting from him or something like that. So he's just assuming this is coming from Doom. Yeah. And this is where he says, uh, Microchip says, uh, oh, the Dalek is fine. I've just been playing with them. Now I'm going to run them out of the building. We ought to be clear. And that's when Skullbone Buster Break drives through the wall. Sorry for the delay, pretty boy. I had a little trouble finding the right spot to park. (laughs) (laughs) Any sign of the little freak? Oh, I guess for his oh, yeah moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hold on to your pants, Bone Breaker. It's not Wolverine. Not Wolverine? Gah, what is it? Some kind of a remote gun station. And uh, Bone Breaker pulls out like a bazooka thing and blows up the Dalek. Who falls yep. through the floor, but has enough power left to raise its head through the floor and start shooting in random places. Which is cool. But Bone Breaker's got a laser gun and shoots him with his laser gun. Oh, I got a laser gun. I should have thought of this before. Why didn't I just shoot it with a laser gun before? The Dalek is completely wrecked. So they get into the boat. They put on their Invisi suits. And they paddle their way down to a grating that is closed. Microchip's like, ah, don't worry about it. I got a, I got a torch. I'm going to cut through this. <laughs> Six hours later. <laughs> and now the Reavers are like, oh, the targets are gone. They're no longer in the building. Clear out, clear out. She's going to blow. They blow up the building. Yep, Microchip must have rigged it all up with explosives. And Reese reckons like, oh, well, they they weren't in the building. They couldn't have escaped from the building, so they probably went in the sewer. Pretty boy, get your hands in there. 
he sends a, he's got a little eyeball in his hands that he sends out that goes underwater he manages to place a tracer on their little raft the police show up punisher shoots these his hand off again. oh yeah the police also show up yeah shoots off his hand again um and pretty boy says i'm putting on a replacement in hand and going after those flowers so second replacement hand Pierce also calls at this point and is talking to Bonebreaker and he just says, get the man and get the Punisher, this Punisher guy, the guy with the skull and bring him back here. And Bonebreaker says, that might be a tad difficult. So Pierce is like, I'll kill him. Yeah. I don't know this man, says Pierce. Get him here. Bring him here. So they do cut through the grating. They're motorboating their way uh, through the sewer and they spill out into the river. Do do actual sewage sewers spill out into rivers? I don't think they do. I got to imagine this cliche comes from somewhere. Yeah, I mean drain like like um, storm drains do, but you can't. Well, I shouldn't say blanketly, but most storm drains you can't walk through. They're pretty small. I don't know where did, where did that uh, that scene from The Fugitive. Yeah, where does that come from? Uh, I don't know. The scene, the same place that the Shawshank Redemption scene came from. At least that was a little bit more realistic where he had to cr- army crawl through the sewage. So like running through the sewers goes way back to, I think there's like a 1940s film starring Orson Welles that I can't remember the name of where it ends with people running through the sewers and it's, but that's over the, in the, uh, like in London or something. So I feel like that may have been accurate to that city at that time. And films just, like, kept going with it because it was cool. Maybe. But I honestly don't know. Pretty Boy's arms comes out of the sewer and it's just shooting every which way. Um, Bonebreaker's like, hey, Reese, I'm at the river. They ain't come yet, yet. I think Pretty Boy got him. I'm on my way. Gather up the debris. Let's see if we can figure who this Joker was. Yep. Says somebody. So, Reese. Uh, are the Punisher and Micro sunk? Dead in the water, up the creek, find out in 30 days, an exoskeleton. So we'll okay. We'll continue watching or Same reading. Same bat time, same micro channel. So I don't know if all Punisher issues are like that, uh, but I like that issue. Yeah, they're kind of, I mean, they're kind of like Punisher does stuff. <laughs> usually it's not against like the Reavers, it's more like against, like he usually kills a lot more people because he has... Uh, he's just facing out goons with guns. Yeah, the the Punisher issues I have read have usually been like a child abuser or a drug abuser or a drug pusher, and then it's all kind of gritty and realistic. And Punisher's got to go go kill him. I feel like the 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 comic book of Punisher is less realistic in that it because it's got to be kind of comic booky and fun, and he travels the world a lot, mm. and he fights ninjas, and uh, occasionally. Gun, uh, drug runners and stuff like that. Um, there's more of a like. I think the last one I read, he was fighting somebody. It's some somebody who was like a priest who had godlike powers, and then he ends up getting his face all messed up. And then he convinces the guy to use his powers to get his face fixed up again. That was odd. Hmm. But you know, it's it's all over the place, I guess. Wolverine number thirty three. This is the third part of the uh, the Larry Hama. First first three-parter, I guess. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember if this was Larry Hama's first issue in Wolverine or if this was his first, like, three-part story. 
This is part three of his first story, yes. Okay, because I felt like this ended pretty quick. It does feel like, I don't know, it, it wraps up very quickly at a certain point. Yeah. Like, the first few pages, it feels like, takes a nice little pace. And then they're like, oh, we have to wrap this up. Yeah, so Wolverine shows up dead in a box. Um, Tiger Tiger and what's his face? Archie. Archie are like told to get out of the country. You have no choice. Get out of the country. Got to go. It's part of their plan to fly the dead corpse of Wolverine into Japan and then pick it up. But I guess somebody let the some, they found out about it. Uh, I guess the king of Madripoor told this drug runner guy with the spider on his head that this this might happen. So they met him at the airport, and the authorities are telling them they have to go. So now the bad guys have Wolverine's corpse, which Tiger Tiger reveals is uh, not a corpse, but using some sort of drug to make it look like a corpse. Yeah. They gave him three times. It's this uh, Shazam drug or lightning bolt drug. Thunderbolt. No, it's not that. Oh, no? Some, no, that's that's a different drug that oh. takes place. Uh, this particular drug is a drug to induce a state of catatonia that replicates death. The lightning drug is makes you uh, super crazy and powerful, and, and then you die. Yeah. So, two different things. We get some panels of uh, the drug manufacturing factory and crazy people taking drugs. Wolverine is going through some of these memories as he's buried underground and uh, sort of goes through some of the Australia stuff, I think. Um, And then says, you can only be saved by the woman who was dead once herself, who is Jean, who is standing next to him. And that's when he wakes up. They keep pointing out that the guy that supposedly killed Wolverine can only be killed by... A sword or a blade wielded by the hands of a dead man. Yeah. Which, you know, it's pretty obvious, but I think it's referenced like three or four times in this issue. Yeah. Wolverine wakes up and he's buried alive and he kind of panics. This is fun. Yeah. Hey, let me out, guys. Sounds too solid. Earth, rocks, a flower, I'm buried, deep, snicked, erg. The lady who is the. Uh, the, the the companion, I guess, of the guy that killed Wolverine is still at the grave for whatever reason. I guess she's leaving him roses, uh, and he discovers that she doesn't. He doesn't kill her, and he kind of figures out that she's being held more or less captive. Although I don't know how Wolverine would figure that out, but we, the reader, know that because they showed it to us earlier. Yeah, uh, and then Wolverine shows up at the um, the drug center. Uh, Kmart, Walmart. <laughs> sure. And uh, they're doing, they're having animals fighting, um, yeah. using their special drugs. And Wolverine shows up and kills everybody. And he has a uh, the the wolf that has killed a bunch of tigers that has taken the lightning drug. Faces off with Wolverine, and uh, Wolverine says that stuff can knock out the pain, zap up the old adrenaline level, and push the mean meter to the red line. It can't take away the natural instincts of a wild beast. The natural instincts that let a critters know that he's facing one of its own. And then the wolf leaves. So long, big boy. And now the wolf's going to die. And I feel sad. (laughs) So a long time ago in the pages of the X-Men, there was a scene where Wolverine sort of conversed with the animals to settle them down. And I pointed out that that 
in the Marvel superheroes RPG, that was one of his powers that they attributed to him was animal handling. I would like to think, I don't think it is, but I would like to think that this is a reference to that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for allowing me to have that. You got it, buddy. Is that Wolverine gets shot, but, you know, he's Wolverine. That don't matter. He gets dumped into a vat of the, uh, I guess, liquid lightning bolt drug with the producer of the lightning bolt drug, which kills the the doctor guy. But Wolverine says, and this I kind of don't really buy. Uh, me, I could chug all this, all of this stuff, all chug a lug. I could chug a lug this stuff all day and it won't change a thing. I'm already, I'm already as strong and as mean as I can get. And that just feels like a cop out. So are we ready for a little one on one or what? Yeah. I guess what they're trying to say is it's like that Avengers line where Bruce Banner is like, do you know how I keep him in control? I'm always angry. And then he turns into the Hulk. I never liked that line. It doesn't make any sense. It was neat. It was cinematic, but it was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was, that's... It's like a what moment. What? Wait, what? But I think that's kind of what's happening here is it's like, I've already, I'm already always as mean as I can be, and I'm always hopped up on as adrenaline as I can be. This drug that normally kills people is therefore not going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it feels it feels like it's supposed to be like a, a whoa, cool moment, but it's also kind of yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the stakes you set up don't make any sense for this. Anyway, uh, the, the guy that knows he's going to kill him takes the Thunderbolt because he's like, you're going to kill me anyway, so I'm going to take the Thunderbolt and attack you. Also nicknamed Raiden. And I think this is before Mortal Kombat. Oh. Um, so I don't know if Mortal Kombat and this are referencing something else. Raiden is like a famous Thunder God. Maybe he is. I don't know. Anyway, Wolverine does not kill the guy. He just chops off his knees and then walks away. And the guy's like, fulfill the prophecy. And Wolverine says, I don't, I don't go for that stuff. But the guy's going to die anyway because he took the lightning bolt. Sucker. So he heads back to the spider guy's little base, and he's like, Okay, Daikumu, I'm shutting your... Oh, what happened? You're already dead. And the girl at the grave, Rico, I guess, killed Dai, Daikumu. With a, a umbrella sword. Her umbrella sword, yeah. Umbrella knife sword, and she left some paddles there, so Wolverine would know it was her. She was right behind me, watching out from my back. Hope she got away. Hope she finds a new life. Tiger, Tiger, and Archie show up, and they're like, Patch, what are you doing? It's about time you got here. What the heck? Yeah. Well, you know, imagine our surprise when we saw the empty grave. Whatever. It's all good. <laughs> Come get on our plane. And Wolverine's thinking about being trapped in a bad situation and not being able to get out. He's thinking about Rico. This is not her last appearance. But I think by the time she appeared again, I didn't remember who this was. <laughs> Not everybody gets stuck. Sometimes somebody gets out. That they do, darling. That they do. But is that sort of uh, is the in, uh, are we seeing that Rico didn't get out and she just is forced to drive around with her Porsche? I think <laughs> such a such a sad life. Uh, I think the implication is that she did get out, but I guess the next story will really tell whether or not that's true. And I don't know what that story is because it's not until Wolverine 55. And I'm going to have to put a pin in it because I didn't remember who she was the first time I read this. Because that's like years later. Wow. And I'm just a little kid. 
Yeah, so uh, Larry Ham is planting some seeds there. He is. Good for him. Marvel Fanfare number 54. This is a short one, and it was uh, based on the art. I thought this was going to be crappy, but I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, if the art is not great, and there's very little on the backgrounds. The the first few pages is terrible. Yeah. Wolverine gets uh, attacked by three thugs. Um, the dialogue's not great. They manage to capture him. They were able to draw some blood, knock him out, or maybe they're poisoning him. Either way, they were, they're able to capture him. It's one of those things that is like, oh, this person does not know how to write Wolverine. Yeah. But it kind of gets better as it goes. And then he stick, the, one of the bad guys sticks him in the chin with a needle. <laughs> it's yeah. stupid. Yeah. I feel the jab and almost immediately a wave of pain washes over me. My healing factor cannot last any toxin, but this is too hard, too fast. I collapse, twitching and spasming all the way down and still thinking about twitching and spasming. Uh, there's another twitch. Uh, another spasm. This sucks. <laughs> so then we meet a family that is camping but ill-equipped to do so. I th- I think it's just the one girl that yeah. is ill-equipped. And it's just because she has a maid at home and she's not used to this kind of living. The two dudes are being dudes. The lady is being like a, a lady of the la- the lady of the woods. And they're telling scary stories at night, spooking each other. And they go out into the woods to get some firewood. And the men folk die. And the women folk go after them. And are immediately captured by The menfolk don't die. They all just get captured. Oh, you're right. They don't die. I don't know why I said that. I, <laughs> I think because through the first read-through, I thought they died. But yeah, you, you realize very quickly that they don't yeah. actually die. They're, They're all captured. put in, in cages. And there's a, a crazy mad scientist here that wants to turn them into animals or something. Yeah, he's like... His, his study of science is the the in between of men and and uh animals and he's always been trying to create man animals manimals and most of them manimals and uh he should have been on a toy line uh, <laughs> and most of them end up as failures even though he thinks they're beautiful but now he's discovered wolverine who is essentially a half man half uh animal that he's going to use as the template to build even better man animals manimals uh with this family as the the uh the DNA I guess the the starting point so it's a neat idea sure it's kooky this guy's clearly nuts points over to wolverine i got this guy and then it then it ends once I've dissected the human wolverine, I'll know the sec- secrets for combining humans and animals, and you four will be my first subjects. <laughs> and finally, to round out this week's reading, Marvel Comics presents number 57. So there is a surprise twist in this story, which had me, I've, I've, I've gone on record as hating this story. <laughs> yes, you have. And uh, there was a twist at the end, which actually was like, oh, okay, maybe this is better than I think it was. Um, anyway, some doctors are dissecting the body of Wolverine and Wolverine getting gets ready up and to. Leaves. Yeah, you know. But this was kind of, there was kind of a weird like exchange between these two doctors. You got like a doctor and and maybe his apprentice, and the doctor's getting ready to start cutting him open, but he's like, no, you. 
you, you this is it's your turn here you use the saw and the guy's like oh, at last the moment i've dreamt of all of my life i'm going to and that's when wolverine wakes up and, and grabs him by the throat and i don't know if these are like psycho doctors or if this guy's <laughs> like oh i finally graduated i can do my first surgery or whatever yeah it's, it's weird <laughs> Or maybe this is what goes through all uh, people that perform autopsies. Yeah. Finally, I'm getting to do the, my first autopsy. Yay! So I did like, you know, he's like, uh, leave me alone. He grabs some scrubs or, or basically like a gown, a hospital gown, kind of walks out into the street and, and he kind of looks vulnerable, right? He's just like looking up at the air. He's like, oh. I like this, this, this shot of him leaving the hospital. It's a good shot. And then meanwhile, you've got Hulk, which is, I love this. He's, he's driving his car and he was a passenger for a minute and then he was a driver for a minute. So now there's dents on both sides of the roof of the car. Yeah. It's a good touch. I feel like he would just rip the top off, but maybe not. I don't know. Just seeing Hulk driving the car is, is kind of funny. And then a passerby is like, what the heck? Why is the Hulk driving a car? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because later he jumps out of the car and does his crazy jumping thing which seems like it'd be way faster than driving oh well anyway he's doing he's doing hulk stuff wolverine finds some uh duds that he steals out of a uh i guess a poor shelter or something yeah it's like one of those um drop bins yeah i I can't think of the name easter seals or whatever oh i've never heard that term oh no um St. Vincent de Paul's, you know, one of those charity places where you just These all feel local to you. Oh, maybe they are. (laughs) I don't have any any of those, but I like the name Easter Seals. I'm pretty sure Easter Seals is is nationwide. Maybe it's old-timey. Okay. St. Vincent de Paul's is, maybe that's regional. I thought that was everywhere, too. I I don't know that it's local. I just have never heard of it. So I'm assuming we don't have any in this area. That could be. There's another one that I'm like the the Santa that that ring the bell and they've got the bucket and they want your change. That's like the Salvation Army. Yeah, isn't it? Salvation Army. They, they're all kind of the same. They have, they're not the same. They have different mission statements. I get it, but at the end of the day, they'll take your clothes, <laughs> and that's yeah. what Wolverine's robbing. Yes. <laughs> um, Saint Vincent de Paul was founded in Paris, France. So there's no way it can be a regional thing. Are you Googling that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. You were, you were committed. Well, you know, I, you know, I have, I've lived in many places in the United States and I have never heard of either of those, which doesn't necessarily mean that they don't exist. Just that I've never encountered them. Oh, you know what? As I'm, as I'm Googling this, it may have been founded in France, but all of my little red marks are definitely (laughs) are solidly in the Midwest. Okay. So there's no reason you would have heard of it. There's not even Yay. one in Chicago. Woo-hoo. I am going to look up Easter Seals, though. <laughs> oh, geez. Easter Seals. Nope, there's one in Missouri. <laughs> there's just one? Uh, there's one in Missouri. There's a bunch in Wisconsin. Uh, okay. There's one in Illinois. Uh, that would but, be but, the closest that I would have gotten. Yeah. So, all right. I should really get out of my bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Why, why bother now? We're, we're old men. It's too late for us. That's right. Uh, Hulk is, we cut back to Hulk in his car and he hears on the radio that uh, somebody who fits the description of Wolverine is robbing a pharmaceutical factory. Um, and then it turns out that the guy who is robbing the pharmaceutical factory 
isn't actually Wolverine. He's just some guy in his underwear. Who looks like Wolverine. Who looks exactly like Wolverine. So I'm assuming this is like the owl or something, which would be clever because the owl has always sort of looked like Wolverine anyway. But this guy's got claws. So does the owl. Oh, okay. So this is the owl. They're the different. They're different claws. He, the owl, had claws and had the. And I believe he's the original Wolverine hair carrier. So these claws actually look like they come out of his wrist and not out of his knuckles. These look more like yeah. These these look more like Wolverine's claws than the owl's claws normally do. But yeah, there is a weird wrist protrusion as well. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Hulk shows up where he's robbing the pharmaceutical and says, you're not Wolverine. And he says, I'm not Wolverine. And I'm not surprised you don't recognize me. I've changed since we last met. But I assure you, I'm not dead. And this time you're going to be. And he attacks him. And that's when we get continued in the next issue. And I'm assuming it's the owl, but I'd be happy if it wasn't the owl. And I kind of want to go back and reread this story, but I'm not going to. No. The rest of the story was either as bad or as boring as you you thought it was yeah it wasn't good yeah but i do like a good story that surprises me i'm happy that i got surprised it's too bad that it took until part four to get there though (laughs) well it's just like you know wolverine wouldn't rob a pharmaceutical this is weird this is stupid it doesn't make sense but it actually wasn't him so i'm happy or maybe an editor stepped in and was like wait wait i've let i've let you go too far we need to do something about this yeah Wolverine is not robbing a pharmacy. Make that somebody else. Oh, okay. Who do we have? What about this owl guy? Oh, well, there you go, everybody. That was uh, was a whirlwind of seven issues covering what's going on in between Extinction Agenda. I fear there's going to be even more in the next two episodes. Wolverine is a very, 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 very busy person. Yeah. And I believe the... Between Marvel Comics Presents and the Marvel Fam for we're going to have to continue both of those stories. Yes. Luckily, the Alpha Flight one is over, so that's good. Thank God. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, let us know what you thought of Extinction Agenda. Let us know what you think of these, you know, B-sides, because there's going to be B-sides. there's going to be a bunch, bunch of B-sides. We'll do we'll do two more just to catch up with where we are, and we'll head back to the X-Men, and then we'll do B-sides for that month. I mean, we did the. You guys demanded the B sides. This is all you. Because <laughs> we did those initial B sides episodes, and you were like, "We love those episodes," and that's like the only feedback we've ever gotten that's positive. <laughs> that's not true. But. So yeah, let us let us know what you're thinking uh, by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, going out to facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, twittering us at Danger Room Go, email Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or wherever podcasts are found to subscribe to us, download, like us, leave us feedback, all of those good things. And check out the Patreon stuff that has been uh, reignited now that we're done with Extinction Agenda, uh, picking up with X of Swords, as well as other witty banter. Or not so witty banter. Banter for sure, though. Definitely banter. That's at www.patreon.com forward slash danger room. Our theme music, as always, is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Uncanny banter. Adam, you got anything else? No. My gut hurts. Good. I mean, I'm sorry to hear that. (laughs) Oh, I wish your gut didn't hurt. Uh, So I guess until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. (laughs) 